Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back another episode here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. And for everyone listening, of course, on Keep It A Real Sports Network, thank you as well. I always want to acknowledge that. But uh, for everyone listening locally here in New York, as you know, uh, the weather's been um, weird. So it's been like freezing some days. It's been... Uh, you know, unseasonably warm, you name it. It's been any type of weather every day. So with that being said, everyone's getting sick. Um, I, I'm not one of those people currently. So my voice, I hope sounds to, you know, validates that whole statement, but it's been like pretty crazy. Everybody's catching these flus, uh, whether it's a stomach virus or whatever's been going around. I think it's because of the weather, but, uh, for everybody, I know that's people in my family that are sick right now having the cold and everything and I'm trying to stay away from just you know keep myself some type some type of healthy uh version of myself out here uh just everyone get better soon uh it's been a pretty crazy time pretty brutal winter uh we we just had some warm days and then we're gonna go back to like freezing temperatures below zero again so uh just some weird times just want to put my little PSA out there everyone bundle up you know so but with that being said Sports, a lot of stuff been going on. I mean, you're talking about the NBA. They went through the whole all-star process. And uh, this year's game, they are doing this whole, like, we're going to just take the 12 best players in the East, 12 in the West. Instead of having them play against each other, we're going to make a little draft, a fantasy draft, with two team captains. Bear with me now. The two team captains, LeBron would be, I guess, the LeBron team. And then Steph Curry has the Steph Curry team. And they're going to choose amongst the pool of, of uh, players. It doesn't matter if he's an Eastern Conference player or Western Conference player. And I looked at this whole situation. I said to myself, how are they really doing this? This is a professional organization. And they're taking it back to the schoolyard of, well, I'm going to take him on my team. And I'm going to take him on his team. It's... It's pretty interesting how this has become the uh, the new norm now in order to create some type of extra excitement for the game because All-Star Weekend in the NBA is fun. But the game itself has lost its luster. I mean, there, there really isn't that much of a uh, competitive edge to it, if you know what I'm saying. So because of that, uh, a lot of people have just like kind of disregarded the uh, All-Star game. You, you're going to get final scores of like 195 to 193. And just a bunch of alley-oops, no defense. It's not really fun to watch. So in order to make it fun, we, we create a fantasy draft now where Steph Curry's the captain. LeBron's the captain. They choose players. Uh, I just looked at some of the players in LeBron. See, I'm not going to break down the entire roster, but like LeBron brought back Kyrie. He got uh, Russell Westbrook. He got Anthony Davis. He has like a lot of the main core players in the NBA on his team. Even Kevin Durant's on his team. I mean, it's pretty surprising, like the way Steph uh, just took everyone else, you know. So I looked at it as, you know, whoever is a preference, if they're going to go with a shooting team, they're going to take a lot of guards and, and, and forwards. But it's it's such a weird breakdown. I do commend the NBA for trying something different. I just am not a big fan of this whole idea sticking around. Pardon me if you're being a traditionalist. I always liked just Eastern Conference versus the Western Conference. It makes the most sense. You know, that's the way you should really be doing it. But, hey, we're in this new age now where let's throw random stuff to the wall and see what sticks. And we'll see what this sticks is the first year you're doing it. 
it should be interesting. I'm I'm gonna see how they turn out. I know that the NFL was doing this for a long time. They were doing it in regards to I think Deion Sanders was choosing a team one year. Michael Irvin chose a team one year, and they had the whole pool and. It, and that was their whole Pro Bowl, you know, their Pro Bowl, which I, I, I look, whoever watches it, you know, hey, good for you. They've gone back to AFC versus NFC. It's probably the most useless game of the year. I'm happy that they don't do it after the Super Bowl like they used to do in the past. And it's actually the week before because you want to have something, I guess, to um warm up before the big game, the big Super Bowl. You know, the big matchup between Philadelphia and New England. Yeah, that's that's the one that everyone's going to be excited about. So this is what they wanted. This is exactly what they wanted. And the NBA is trying to find their way of, of fine-tuning it. I know baseball did in the past with the um, it means home field advantage in the World Series, which I thought was just a terrible idea. Let's, let's be honest. An all-star game, which is for fun, which should be just, you know, you, you want to see the weird matchups of this pitcher versus this batter and and all of a sudden, it takes the fun out of it when it matters about your team getting home field advantage in the, the biggest series of the year, the World Series. I I, I don't know. I, I just don't know who voted on that. It did make it more competitive. I'm not going to lie. But it just wasn't a good idea. Let's. That's just another example of trying too hard to prove a point. So um, NBA, we're going to see what happens. But they did have a huge injury. You're talking about Boogie Cousins. He uh, actually tore his Achilles tendon, and and it sucks. That's a that's a horrible injury for anyone to have to go through. I remember Kobe was the last one I I fully remember going through it, and it took him about a year to get back. And Cousins is a big guy, man. You know, it's a he's a big guy having a, an excellent season all around. Season was an all star. He's uh, going to have to lose his spot out now, and they're going to give it to Paul George, who's actually a Los Angeles native. Felt like he should have made it on the first attempt. They actually, it's a way of, you know, it's funny how things have a way of working things out. And um, it's just rough for a uh, a guy like DeMarcus Cousins who's having a great year for New Orleans. And he's going to have to miss it and miss the rest of the season because of this injury. But uh, it's the NBA. We're going to see what they do. I'm going to have a whole breakdown when that All-Star weekend shows up, um, comes up, I should say, in uh, February. But uh, just breaking down everything else that happened uh, during this week, the New York Giants, since we're going to stay, go back to the football statement, New York football Giants introduced Pat Shermer as their new head coach. And it's just he's supposed to be this huge like disciplinarian. He's he's this guy that uh, is a no nonsense coach. That's what I that's what I've heard. And the Giants haven't had that since the great Tom Coughlin in a whole no nonsense mentality. So there's some optimism there. He is very optimistic about working with Eli. And I'm going to play his uh, his whole statement during his introductory uh, press conference. And I'll let you guys decide. That's going to be in the sound section of the show a little bit later. Uh, also, you talk about football. I-, I can't believe I'm saying this. And in my, I just saw the 30 for 30 not too long ago. But uh, Vince McMahon has done it again. Mr. McMahon has brought back the XFL. You know, I didn't do it in his voice like, this is the XFL. I didn't do the whole, the, you know, enthusiasm as he does it. But the XFL will be back in 2020. He announced it in a very special major announcement as he put it on Twitter and all over social media. 
And it was rumored for a, la- a couple of months now that he would be resurrecting the XFL. But now it's, it's true. He had a whole press conference about it. I'm going to play the audio from that. And him answering a couple of questions. It was a very uh, unique press um, press conference. It was like a phone press conference, but he was shown like in a nice little digital uh, a digital area where he's at the podium and he's answering these questions that are being fed through on via telephone. It's interesting. I, I just thought uh, he still has the theatrics. Obviously, the guy just came off of a uh, Stone Cold Stunner during Raw 25, and that's actually my segue. Raw 25, um, for anybody that, you know, didn't know about it or didn't know, like, what it was with wrestling, it was 25 years celebrating of the WWE, um, their flagship show, Monday Night Raw, 25 years, live, you know, and I give it, you gotta give hats off to that, because it's a, it's a program that you could make the comparison, you could say that, okay, it's not a real sport because there's predetermined winners, this is true. The athleticism is 100% real, which is why I'm a fan of it, as well as the preparation these guys have to go through and the storytelling. Storytelling is basically the entire um, the entire kick to WWE. You have to appreciate a good story. It's like watching a soap opera that never ends. I mean, this is Days of Our Lives with body slams. That's basically what you're watching here with the WWE and with Raw. I was at the Manhattan Center for their uh, their part of it. And I'm going to rant a little bit because I personally was just not happy with the way they uh, they broke down, like who, you know, who was going to get this special guest? Was it going to be the Barclay Center or was it going to be the Manhattan Center? The higher price tag was for everyone to go to, to the Manhattan Center because you had to pay upwards. I think some people paid up to $1,000 to go. I, trust me, my ticket was ne- nowhere near that amount, but you hear these people and how dis- disturbed they were and upset that they didn't get to see Stone Cold Steve Austin. They didn't even get to see not one McMahon show up in the Manhattan Center. If you want to count Triple H, I guess he counts. Uh, you did get the DX reunion. You did get the Undertaker special um, return. Uh, you did get the uh, surprise return of uh, Brother Nero, Jeff Hardy, after a uh, Woken Matt Hardy match, which was cool. You got The Miz uh, come out. And get the curb stomp from Seth Rollins that was off air. So you you got a little bit of things, but you know, giving me uh, and I'm just speaking for everybody that was at the Manhattan Center, giving me two minute, two two or three minutes of uh, cruiserweight matches in between is not going to get it done. I mean, you're, you're driving me crazy. I, I, no one wants to see that. You're paying all this money. You want to see the big names. They, not, I'm not trying to say they have to be wrestling. Ric Flair did show up. He talked, but you want to see more people come out and like give give great moments, make something exciting. You can't just make it a regular thing. This is Raw twenty five, mind you. So I was a little uh, disappointed. I expected more. You know, I, I did enjoy myself. I got to leave with a nice little complimentary chair, which if you want to check out, it's on my Instagram at Ed Easton Jr. As well as clips from Raw twenty five are on my Twitter. So be sure to check those out. Shameless plug. It was uh, it was something they could have done a lot better, and I, I was really, I was really surprised with uh, WWE on that one. It was cool to see some legends, but you wanted to see more in each location. Like uh, my last big gripe was the Dudley Boys; they brought them back. Why would you bring them back to Barclays Center 
in not Manhattan Center, especially when you think about the legacy of like ECW, the independent scene. This is where the Dudley Boys really made their names. I, I just thought that was a missed opportunity because the place would have went nuts for a simple table spot. That's just my opinion. I'm going to put that out there again. Uh, you know, it's, you only get 25 years one time. You only do. That's that's really what it is. Unless you're going to wait for SmackDown 25. That's uh, You got a ways away for that. But that's just something you have to do. There was no rock. You know, it was just a, a lot of missing pieces. And I expected more. Um, just once again, this has been a, this is going to be a great show. I am super, super excited because I don't get, you know, many guests that you could say pretty much shaped a lot of my childhood and, and different things growing up. But the guest I have on today's show was a big part of it, especially with, and I'm going to just say with video games, NBA Jam celebrates 25 years as well. Not just Monday Night Raw, but NBA Jam celebrates 25 years. And the iconic game from everything that you talk about with the two-on-two, the, uh, you know, no fouls being called, pushing people, crazy slam dunks, all the stuff that goes into the game, people probably don't really think about it, but who's the actual voice of it? The iconic voice that says, he's on fire, or boom shakalaka. Who is that guy? Well... I was lucky enough to speak with the man himself, Mr. Tim Kitzrow. He is a voice artist extraordinaire and one of the more famous voice artists. We talk about just not just NBA Jam, but the guy's done NFL Blitz. He's done some baseball games. He uh, his new game out now, Mutant Football League, which he's going to break down. It's he just does amazing stuff. And I was just lucky to be able to talk to this guy and do a full interview. And he just breaks down so many different secrets and and things about NBA Jam that we may not even noticed. Um, special things regarding Michael Jordan and like it just his relation with current players and and when they talk to him, his voice sounds exactly the same, which bugged me out. Like he's he's an iconic guy in return in regards to what he's meant for that franchise, what he's meant for so many people in my generation. As kids playing the video game, growing up with it. And uh, it's uh, pretty cool. 25 years of NBA Jam. So uh, Tim Kittrow will be be on the show a little bit later. And like I said, I was just I was a little bit starstruck. I was excited to speak with him. Because this was a guy who's also the reason why I lost a lot of quarters growing up at the arcade machine. So definitely um, a lot to uh, look forward to here on today's show. And once again... I got to remind you guys, check me out on Twitter at Ed Easton Jr. on Instagram. Send me a message. Let me know what you want to hear on the show. Uh, also, uh, send me an email. Yes, uh, people still use email. Like, you know, it's not just for like work and all that. Send me an email to uh, Ed Easton at KIRSnetwork.com. Once again, that is Ed Easton at KIRSnetwork.com. I feel like we've been talking about nothing but anniversaries. And I have one more anniversary, actually. It's going to lead into um, the first of um, our few sounds that we're going to have on the show. Everyone remember the movie A League of Their Own with uh, Gina Davis? Uh, it was Tom Hanks, you know, Madonna. It had all these uh, different elements of women playing baseball during the, uh, during the World War. When all the men were fighting the war, you had women playing baseball. And it was just this pretty iconic story behind it. 
the actual team that they were portraying, the Rockford Peaches, actually are celebrating their 75th anniversary this past week. And I just thought that was pretty cool, like considering that it was a great story about women's baseball and and all the different um strides that were taken from it. And you got to think about today, everything that's been going on about women not getting equal pay, not getting the same respect as the men. And I'm a big advocate of the WNBA, if anybody's been listening to this show since the beginning. It's it just things have to change. Bottom line, women deserve more opportunity. Women deserve fair pay, just like the men. I, I just I can't stress that enough. Uh, you see what's going on with women's gymnastics of the horrible things that they had to go through. And even through all that horror, they still were able to pull together and win all these gold medals it's it's just it it rock it pretty much just wrecks my mind that we're still in 2018 talking about women making so much less than men and these are women that are are qualified over actually overqualified for a lot of their positions and are still not receiving the uh appropriate amounts so i i just it's just a reminder that things need to change still in this country amongst other things as you know whether the government shut down or not i'm not going to get too political but I just think that it's a uh, another reminder. So I thought it was cool just to put that out there. The uh, Rockford Peaches celebrating 75 years. So in honor of that, to start off the sounds of the week, going to play the um, iconic scene of Tom Hanks with the whole there is no crying in baseball and um, as well as Vince McMahon talking about the XFL and the uh, Pat Shermer introductory press conference. So keep it tuned in. You're listening to Sports Social with Eddie Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. Say, Evelyn, can I ask you a question? You got a moment? Mm-hmm. Which team do you play for? Well, I- I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering, because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you! Now you start using your head! That's not love! That's three feet above your ass! Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying! There's no crying in baseball! Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris! Rogers Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of pinkfish. And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No, no. No! No! And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! What's the matter, Jimmy? What? She's crying, sir! I didn't mean to do that. Perhaps you chastise her too vehemently. Good rule of thumb. Treat each of these girls as you would treat your mother. You want to ever tell you look like a penis with a little hat on? Oh my goodness. You're out of here! Oh, no, right no, no, now, no, Jimmy, you, I heard you that! Misunderstood. <laughs> you misunderstood me! You misunderstood me! You can't throw me out for that! No one, you got a straight right out! And that is that one! Get in there, I can't believe no one ever called you that before! That's what you mean. I'm in charge now. All right, who's up here? 
time has come for one and all to play ball. But when the members of the All-American League, we come from cities near and far. We got Canadians, Irish boys and As soon as our season ended, um, Steve Tisch, uh, Dave Gettleman, Kevin Abrams, and myself started this process of finding and identifying uh, our new head coach. We were looking for someone with intelligence, leadership skills, uh, a presence, a uh, professional demeanor, and the right philosophy on how to build a team. Uh, it did not matter uh, to any of us whether it was an offensive or a defensive coach. We did a considerable amount of research, which included speaking with executives and coaches, past and present, around the NFL and players as well. Uh, we were able to identify some great candidates, but it struck me that the uh, name that constantly came up with just about everybody that we talked to uh, was Pat Shermer. Uh, we had some very impressive interviews with uh, six different coaches. We had much discussion back and forth about each of these individuals. Uh, we did some more research and we ultimately decided that Pat uh, was the right man for this job. Uh, Pat has had considerable success as an offensive coordinator. He's had prior experience as a head coach. He's worked under some great coaches. Uh, he has an impressive record in developing young players, particularly quarterbacks. Uh, and he's got an excellent track record as a play caller. And he's very well respected by the players that he's coached in the past. Uh, it also became apparent uh, to us very early on that uh, Pat and Dave share a similar philosophy in how to build a team. And that was no small factor uh, in this decision. So in sum, he checked all of the boxes for us. For all of these reasons, uh, we believe that he is the right coach at the right time for this franchise. So now on behalf of the uh, Tisch and Mara families, it is my pleasure and honor to introduce the new head coach of the New York Giants, Pat Shermer. First, I'd like to thank uh, John Mara. I'd like to thank Steve Tisch. I just met John and Lori. Um, I'd like to thank Dave Gettleman. Um, Kevin Abrams, and it's an honor and a privilege to be the head coach of the New York Giants. All right. <laughs> and we're off, huh? All right, so we got to just keep adjusting, I guess, huh? So, anyways, well, I was going to tell a joke, so I'll stop, you know? Anyways, um, but as I mentioned recently, and I think it happened in one of the earlier articles, this is an iconic franchise. I understand most of the history. I walked by, by four Super Bowl trophies. Uh, as we go forward here, um, I'm looking forward to, to lead this organization. I want to be the coach. And I understand the responsibility that comes with being the coach. Um, 
You know, I'm taking over a team that's three was three and 13, so we got to own that. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. There's changes that need to be made. But running parallel with this press conference, I'm hiring a staff of guys that will help us get to where we need to be. And I think that's the important piece. I'd like to thank some other people. Uh, my wife Jennifer is here. Uh, we've been married for 27 and a half years. Um, she's, uh, she's the strength of, of our family. She's actually an uh, East Coast girl. She grew up in Poughkeepsie. Her father was a Giants fan growing up in Waterbury. Her mom is from New York. So this is uh, somewhat of a homecoming. Um, and she really is the strength of our family. Uh, we have four children. Our daughters are here today. Uh, and they cry a lot. <laughs> anyway, so I have, uh, I'm crying because I got three weddings on the horizon at some point. <laughs> so, and it won't be in a KFC hall. You know, so anyways, uh, our three daughters are here today. We have four children, uh, Allison and Erica, who live in Philadelphia. So they're going to fight our battles on away turf. Um, they live in Philly and very proud of them. Our daughter, uh, Claire, is here as well. She'll be, uh, she's a, so a freshman, be a sophomore next year. And then our son, Kyle, is back in Nashville. He plays quarterback at Vanderbilt. Um, they're terrific kids. They've made great choices. They've spent their senior years in different towns, get plenty of free advice. Don't, uh, Dad, if the quarterback played better, we'd have won. Um, that play where you hand the ball off and run it up behind the center, I don't like that play. A lot of free advice, but much, much more unconditional love. I'd like to thank my mom back in Michigan. My mom and dad did a heck of a job raising us. Uh, they taught us how to compete. They taught us how to have compassion. They taught us how not to let anybody tell you that you can't do something. And so appreciate them and love them. Um, like to thank the Minnesota Vikings. We went there two years ago and quickly became very close to the people up there. Mark and Ziggy Wilf, obviously Kevin Warren, Rob Brzezinski, you know, um, George Payton, and then certainly along the way, Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. They are an outstanding organization. I want to thank the players as well. They are an old school operation with an eye on the future, and they do it right. And if we're going to get to where we need to be at some time, at some point, we're going to have to play them and beat them. And so that'll be a challenge for us. Um, now, regarding me, you have hired a career coach. You've hired a guy that doesn't know what he would do if he wasn't doing this. You've hired a guy that wants every day to interact with the staff, the coaches, the players. And I really do feel like my role is to make everybody as good as they can be. And I think if we do that on a day-to-day -day basis, we'll get to where we want to be. And that's reestablish the winning tradition and put ourselves in a position to win championships. And I understand that's a journey. Um, you're going to try to all figure out who I am. Some would say I'm a little uh, serious. All right, I get that. But I do think this is a serious business. It's played and coached by adults. We just happen to do it with a young person's enthusiasm. And I think that's important. Some will tell you I have a healthy sense of humor. Those are the people that know me. I'm uh, okay laughing at myself, and I own all that. Um, most people will tell you that I'm competitive and gritty, and that's the overachiever's mindset in, my, in me. Um, I feel like we don't know it all, and I look forward to learning something new every day. Those of, those of you that do know me, though, 
I have zero tolerance for people that don't compete. I have zero tolerance for people that don't give effort. And I have zero tolerance for people that show a lack of, of respect. And I think that's something um, that you'll know about me as we get to get to know each other better. Um, but the people and the players that know me know that I'm willing to give them a hug at the end of a hard day. So that's a little bit about me. I can't wait to get going. As you know, we're uh, in the process of hiring a staff. Um, some of those names are public, so I have no problem commenting on that. As we put uh, the staff together, we'll try to get you that information in a timely way. And I learned in my last uh, shot at being a head coach, information travels off your thumbs very quickly. And, you know, we as coaches needed to learn. In the old handbook, it was say nothing and be very guarded. Um, I don't feel like that's necessary anymore. So I'll try to answer your questions. Unfortunately, the answer to a question might be it's between me and the player. Um, and then you can find out what the player thinks. You know what I mean? So, so I get that. But I'll try to be open. We'll try to uh, answer your questions in really any situation, except for those things that involve Giants business that make no sense to be public. So that being said, certainly thrilled to be here. And I'm certainly thrilled to lead our organization back to the path of winning. Ladies and gentlemen, Vince McMahon. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining today's press conference. The new XFL will kick off in 2020, and quite frankly, we're going to give the game of football back to fans. I'm sure everyone has a lot of questions for me, but I also have a lot of questions for you. In fact, we're going to ask a lot of questions and listen to players, coaches. We're going to listen to medical experts, technology executives, members of the media, and anyone else who understands and loves the game of football. But most importantly, we're going to be listening to fans. So I'd ask that, uh, well, the question of what would you do if you could reimagine the game of professional football? Would you, for instance, eliminate halftime? Would you have fewer commercial breaks? Would the game of football be faster? Would the rules be simpler? The new XFL will be fan-centric with all the things you like to see and less of the things you don't. And no doubt, a lot of innovations along the way. We will present a shorter, faster-paced, family-friendly, and easier-to-understand game. Don't get me wrong, it's still football, but it's professional football reimagined. Since we're launching in 2020, we have two years, which is plenty of time to really get it right. We intend to start conservatively with eight teams, 40-man rosters, a 10-game regular season, and postseason featuring two semifinals, and of course, a championship game. Now, what about the players? As you know, there is a wealth of talented players that we can draw from, but in the XFL, the quality of the human being is going to be as important as the quality of the player. Our approach to presenting games will be multi-platform, which will allow us to engage fans and customize the viewing experience in ways that were never imaginable just a few years ago. You'll be able to watch the XFL on big screens, mobile devices, and everything in between. Thank you again for joining us. We appreciate your interest, and if you have any ideas, 
please send them along our way because we are listening. The new XFL will be a, it'll be a game that's reimagined. Reimagine the game of professional football. I'm sure you want to get to some questions, so fire away. As a reminder, it is star one to ask any questions. We'll take our first question from Brian Fritz with Sporting News. Vince, uh, I guess the big question now is, why do you believe now is the right time to bring back the XFL? Well, football is America's favorite sport. Uh, there are seven months of, uh, of no football on the gridiron, and uh, there are 70 million fans. So why not now? To now is a perfect opportunity, and I've always wanted to bring it back. And what do you think are the lessons that you learned from the first time that you did the XFL to what you'll do with the game now? Well, I think the most important thing that we learned with the older XFL and now the new XFL is the quality of the play. Quite frankly, uh, we only had a very short time in the past to, uh, to put everything together. We have two years now to really get it right. It's the quality of the play. I'll take our next question from Joe Flint with the Wall Street Journal. Hi, uh, uh, Vince. Talk a little about your media plans. Will you be looking to put this, you know, offer this as a package to broadcast or cable networks or for your own streaming service? What are you, what are you thinking there? Well, again, as we imagine, reimagine the game, I think we reimagine as well the way that we distribute the game. I think it's important to, to consider the standard way of doing this. I think it's also important to consider new ways. So it's probably going to be a combination of any number of uh, of forms of presentation. Okay. If you, I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm still on. If you had any initial talks with anyone? No, no initial talks, not really. We just know there's interest there. Okay. We'll take our next question from Brian Campbell with CBS Sports. Hello, Brian. Hi, Vince. How will this announce? Hey, how will this announcement affect your day-to-day -day control of creative decisions in WWE? It won't affect it at all. Will you be uh, staying in the same role completely? Yes, I'll continue to be the uh, CEO and chairman of the board of WWE. What type of opportunities do you see available similar to the XFL 2001 for WWE talent, broadcasters, wrestlers to cross over between brands? Thank you for asking. There will be no crossover whatsoever uh, in terms of talent or anything like that from WWE uh, to the new XFL. Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back, and as promised, in its entirety, here's the full interview with Mr. Tim Kittsrow, the voice of NBA Jam. Once again, NBA Jam started all the way back in 1993, celebrating 25 years, creating an undeniable legacy that people of all ages have enjoyed and will continue to enjoy as uh, Mr. Kittsrow breaks down in this interview. It's been a fun week with the... Uh... The uh, silver anniversary is stirring up a lot of uh, uh, media press and uh, memories from a lot of people. So happy to talk to you. Oh, definitely, man. I've been, you know, wanting to get you on the show for a while now. Um, I, you know, I have to obviously start from the beginning just to, you know, introduce everything. But um, how did you get started in uh, video game voiceover work? Well, was it really a, a bit of luck on my end? I was uh, at Second City and wanted to make the big time and go to Saturday Night Live, came out here to Chicago. And in the meantime, uh, took a variety of different jobs, waitering jobs, et cetera, and uh, 
had always loved playing the drums and was in little bands in high school and tried to keep it going afterwards. And so I decided at least I would play on the weekend and met a few guys uh, that turned out they worked at the uh, Williams Pinball uh, Company here in Chicago, where Midway Games was also part of that. It was Williams, Valley, and Midway. And they were, uh, after a couple of months playing together, uh, they said, hey, you know what? We're doing a new pinball game. It's uh, the Gilligan's Island, and we need someone to do Mr. Howell. So I, uh, they said, can you do Mr. Howell? And I was like, well, Gilligan, maybe we could bribe Kona. And he said, well, why don't you come on in Monday? And uh, started out from there, and uh, it just kept going and going. to uh, Attack from Mars and Twilight Zone and Popeye and Twilight Zone and I think 15 titles later, I was uh, kind of entrenched as the, the voice of uh, uh, pinball and Williams games. Wow. And um, what year was that? did you get started with that? Well, that was probably 89, uh, 88. And uh, at that point, uh, just prior to 93, uh, John Hay, who wrote the music and did the script and was the producer for NBA Jam, said I was talking with Mark Jamel. And uh, they're across the street in the Midway Games uh, building. You said they're they're working on a new NBA basketball game and want to know if you'll uh, uh, if you want to be part of that. I was like, you know, Santa Claus comes saying, uh, you want to you want a new Corvette? <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> I think I do want to be a part of the NBA Jam thing, whatever that is. Great. And uh, how was the uh, just the the immediate jump into it? Like, was it a uh automatically a popular uh, game right right when it came out back in 93 Oh yeah right right from the get go it was uh all the arcades it was uh it was you know jammed you know NBA jam perfect jammed with people you know and often like literally 5 10 deep with quarters on the machine like a you know like a, a pool you know kind of thing of everybody like I got next I got next and people yelling hooting and hollering that was the real fun is that I could go out and see my pinball games and check out my voice on all these really cool pinball games, but you'd never have a crowd around a pinball game. Uh, but this, you know, you had people really like high-fiving each other, taunting each other, trash-talking each other. And when, you know, guys would take off with the crazy somersault dunks, you know, you just heard people, you know, going crazy. And it drew a crowd, you know, the, the crowd around the uh, cabinet drew a crowd. So I knew, I knew it was something, you know, special right away. I hear that, and now there's like a bunch of sayings on the, that you um that you say during the game, but a uh, boom shakalaka, that's the one yeah. everyone you know associates automatically with NBA Jam. Where did that come from? Was that like was that all you, or did that come from something else? Well, the cool thing was that uh, the script John Hay wrote the script, but we would often just you know come up with some of our own lines when we were there and improvise, and uh, and the office was very close where the sound booth was and guys had these little offices and one guy john carlton sticks his head out the door and he was listening to uh, sly and the family stone that song i want to take you higher in which sly uh in the chorus goes he doesn't say boom shakalaka he goes boo shakalaka laka boo shakalaka and he thought that was kind of a cool cool phrase he goes tell him to say boom shakalaka he mistook it he thought he was saying boom shakalaka so think of that it was just a complete accident and kind of coincidence he's listening to sly he mishears a lyric and uh, john says say boom shakalaka and i remember saying to john like boom shakalaka what's that he goes just say it so boom shakalaka and he goes yep that's it (laughs) i just stumbled Stumbled onto it. it's like finding a finding a diamond in the bottom of a garbage heap. You know, you just you don't know what it is, and and you can't believe that 
you know, it's, it's going to be that valuable. And then you realize it's a diamond and we, we got the diamond. And since that moment, I mean, you can look Wikipedia and other stuff and, you know, boom shakalaka might have been like a phrase in a, I think, a Caribbean song uh, way back in the 50s or something. Mm. So the word, I think, actually had been out there. And maybe that's where Sly heard boom shakalaka and he turned it to boo shakalaka. But at any rate, it wasn't known in the, you know, certainly in the sports culture or the American vernacular uh, until it was in NBA Jam. So it's pretty cool to kind of be responsible for a, a phrase that's, uh, you know, been around for, you know, a couple gener- or for a full generation now. Definitely, definitely. Um, now, honestly, just recently you just celebrated the uh, 25th anniversary of NBA Jam at an L.A. Clippers game. How was that yeah. whole process? Well, I've been uh, busy the last few years realizing that uh, EA Sports has the, the holds the title right now for NBA Jam, but they've been very lackadaisical about doing updates and doing a full-on reboot. The last one we did was 2011, the On Fire edition, which, by the way, 2010, 2011, if anyone hasn't played those versions, they're awesome. Uh, if you like the stuff that I do, I have probably, you know, 500 lines in it as opposed to, you know, maybe 30 lines in the original. Uh, so I've been calling NBA teams the last few years thinking, hey, this is a chance for me to go beyond the video games and start to do highlights for NBA teams doing my NBA Jam style announcing so the first guys that uh, got in touch with me were the Houston Rockets, uh, Jim Odessa, and I went down there and did a highlight video for them. They send me highlights, I, I record them, and then they do the graphics. And that particular video won the uh, best in-sports game presentation video for all four major league sports. So everything you've ever seen on a Jumbotron for a year, baseball, basketball, football, you know, hockey, it was voted the best video. And then Joe Lagaz from the Clippers, the head of marketing, was there. And I had put a call into uh, to his office at one point. So he said, yeah, I saw that video. It's great. He goes, let's do something. That was last year. And I said, Joe, you know, it's the 25th anniversary. He's like, oh, that's even better. You know, we can do something really special. So uh, we kind of got on the phone uh, half a dozen times during the year and came up with some ideas. And I did a highlight video for them and then came out, acted as MC, introduced the game with Mark Trammell, the creator, who now lives in uh, San Diego. He's now the creative uh, senior creative director for Zynga Games for all those Facebook games and now the download uh, Zynga uh, brand. So uh, it was just great to be recognized and to see how many fans, you know, are still so excited about the game. Uh, the players were put up on the Jumbotron to uh, tell their favorite uh, uh, duos, NBA Jam duos, when they were kids playing NBA Jam, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, all these little, you know, kids, you know, 12, 13 years old, we're like, hey, can you say boom, shot clock, sign this, sign that? It's like, so there's a whole new younger generation that's actually just learned it from either their dad's games, uh, the old school stuff, or they have it, the new downloadable, you know, on their phone uh, and the EA version, which was uh, Wii, Xbox, and PS4. So there's a new fan base, and, and it was great fun being out there. I definitely hear that. Now, you just mentioned, like, the uh, players were on the uh, big screen basically saying their best moments from the game. Uh, How do players react to meeting you and then actually hearing your voice and, you know, relating it to the game? Like, are there any interesting stories behind that? Well, uh, the new generation, uh, like Steph Curry, there was a a promo video for EA Sports uh, on Fire Edition, which had him, uh, or the 2010 edition, just when he came in the league, 
uh, with Kevin Durant and some other players out at uh, EA Sports playing the game, and they were just having a blast, you know, just loving it, laughing, cracking up. Uh, Curry's done a – there's a YouTube video where he is asked uh, to do the NBA Jam brackets of current players. They picked current duos that they thought would be an NBA Jam, and he uh, had to explain why he and Clay would be the best duo. So it's fun to see the new generations, you know, really into it. Uh, some of the old schoolers, like I was on uh, uh, Fox pregame uh, interview on court, and Corey McGetty was next to me. He goes, you know, when I was younger, I was 15, I loved the game so much. He goes, my parents actually bought me an entire NBA Jam arcade, <laughs> and I had it at my house. So he he was, uh, you know, just a big, huge fan. And, and my biggest story about just the, the irony of me being basically a nobody, you wouldn't know because my, it's my voice, it's not – you know, people don't recognize me uh, 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 from my face, but uh, Steve Smith uh, met him at a restaurant and someone told him I was the NBA Jam guy. And I'm going over to just see him and go, wow, I'm so happy to meet you. You're you know, I was a big fan of yours. Loved watching you play Michael Jordan. And he comes up to me and he says, hey, man, you're the NBA Jam guy. I can't believe I'm meeting you. I can't wait till I tell my kids that I met you. He goes, we were just playing it yesterday at the house. I said, you were? He goes, yeah, I'm the arcade. I go, like the, the Super Nintendo, and he goes, dude, the full-on arcade. I have one in my house. I said, how would you get one of those? He said, well, they gave an arcade to everyone who was in NBA Jam. That was our payment. <laughs> and he goes, I love the game. I love, uh, you know, my kids love it. So uh, Gary Payton, I met him this last summer, and he was uh, the guy who was not in the original game. Uh, but he and Michael Jordan wanted to be in the game, so they called Midway. And uh, I had to come back in and record their names. And we did a special one-off uh, NBA Jam for Michael Jordan and Gary Payton and Ken Griffey, because Ken Griffey and Payton were friends. So he was telling me just how much fun it is uh, to, to be in that game. And he goes, I've got the arcade, all three arcade cabinets. He goes, in my house in Seattle right now, if you ever want to come out and play. He goes, my kids love it. He goes, we keep them in great shape because... Because uh, they're going to be worth some serious money. They're you know the only ones that exist in the world with uh, those those guys in it. Wow, that is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tim, now I have to ask you have a new game coming out. Uh, what do you expect from uh, your new game, Mutant Football League? Welcome to Mutant Football League. Uh, Mutant Football League is is a dream come true because uh, NFL Blitz, of course, was one of my favorite titles. Uh, but a few years ago when we did it, redid it with EA Sports, the NFL had uh, watered things down. They were uh, very much involved in the process, didn't want any of those crazy late hits, the more violent stuff that NFL Blitz was known for. So the game, I think, was really good, the one we did for EA Sports. And, you know, look for that one uh, uh, out at the uh, used used uh, game store. But this one allows us to go crazy because there's no NFL license. It's the MFL. It's mutants. It's orcs. It's skeletons. It's robots. And it's just a ton of fun based on that really fast, crazy arcade style over the top. Uh, We've got artists from Marvel Comics creating some of the most beautiful, stunning visuals you'll ever see. We've got buzz saws that crisscross the field. There's lava flows, mine hazards, all these things you have to negotiate while you're on the field. Like you can catch a pass and then run through a buzzsaw. It's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Get cut in half when you're on the way to getting a touchdown. You've got dirty tricks where you can use a bomb uh, to to kill your opponent. You have a a shotgun that you can pull out. So when the quarterback is in the shotgun formation, takes on a whole new meeting, he can actually pull out a shotgun and shoot the guy coming at him so he doesn't get sacked. Uh, It's, 
It plays great. Uh, the fan uh, feedback has been great so far. It already won a couple awards, different gaming websites. Uh, Shaq News uh, gave it the best new sports title of the year. And it drops this Friday uh, for PS4 and Xbox. So uh, I, I couldn't be more excited to, once again to return to my roots, which is arcade, which is comical, humorous, over the top. And uh, got to write the whole script, record the voices. Uh, and did a little bit more uh, old school garage style because this isn't a thirty million dollar budget from one of the big you know teams. This is a mm -hmm. this is a grassroots uh, digital dreams company, uh, which the creator Michael Mendheim, uh, he's the creator of the original game. So this is kind of a uh, you know a, a, an homage to the mutant football league, uh, not um, you know mutant league football, which came out in '93, which EA Sports had. Uh, back at that uh, time, there was also a Saturday morning cartoon show. So if you look at Mutant League Football on YouTube, you can see that they had collectibles, they had trading cards. So it really has a, a powerful uh, a fan base of hardcore uh, uh, mutant uh, lovers. So, uh, yeah, real excited about that. And once again, to in this day and age, be doing arcade style stuff, which is my forte. I'm, I'm not a sim guy. Uh, it's It's real exciting. I definitely hear that, and we're looking forward to the game. Now, yeah. obviously, there's still, when it, when it comes to, like, just NBA Jam, um, there's still tournaments being done all around the country. I mean, yeah. like, every other week you see, like, the, and this is from, like, the original version, not even the, even the latest versions, but oh, yeah. because of the popularity and it's, you know, 20, 25-year anniversary, is there a new edition expected in the near future that uh, you know of that you guys maybe possibly are working on? Well, I, what I can say is that um, I've had conversations with uh, several different parties that want to resurrect it in one form or another. Um, uh, it's just it's it's tricky because uh, there there were some rumors already that came out that weren't true about who was going to do it, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I can tell you that uh, uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of stuff being done behind the scenes, and we hope to have uh, you know be able to announce something. Uh, uh, positively uh in, you know very shortly and and it's all key because we we think it's real important to get it done for the 25th anniversary if not it's still fine you know there's always plenty of room for jam it just makes it a little extra special like having the you know star wars anniversary when you're a franchise and you hit 25 there's that extra charge and people want collectibles they you know they they want uh they want part of that nostalgia to hold on to and certainly would drive sales to be uh during this year but there's also a major arcade uh, uh, machine maker that uh, has spoken to me and they want to bring back the retro ar arcade cabinet with the actual original retro game uh, because arcades have come back in a big way as I'm sure you know all around the country arcades are popping up everywhere some of them you know you mm -hmm. play for free some are you pay for you know a, a day you know if uh, there's a place uh, ghost arcade here in Chicago the largest I think in the country uh, I think it's 10 or $15 you can play for as long as you like. But uh, the resurgence and, and popularity of arcades with classic uh, video games and pinball uh, games is really popping up. So this would be a great move to bring back the cabinet because I think NBA Jam, as I said in the beginning about all the people gathering around it and you mentioning how people are doing tournaments, it's really the kind of game that you can't get that experience anymore sitting on your couch. Uh, with a headset on, you know, it's to be played with friends and with people watching and having high fives and going crazy. So I, I'm really hoping that that works out. That would be great to see. 
No, I definitely agree. It's nice to see here talk about social aspects with people actually playing next to each yep. other instead of online. That's a to yep. be a lost art at times. Yeah. Well, it's kind of but, like uh, the um, uh, kind of like the way music went. You know, going to all digital, uh, and you've got this little tiny, you know, uh, your phone or whatever with a title on it. Back in the day, you had an album, you know, and, and you could look at it, see it, go over to a friend's house, and the experience of listening to music wasn't just throwing earbuds in and, and removing yourself from society and socializing with friends. It was part of what brought you together. And suddenly the vinyl and LPs and turntables are back, and it's cool and it's hip. And, and it's the same thing for a new generation of gamers. They grew up, you know, the, the recent ones, you know, the younger kids of just you know, putting on the headset and in, in the bedroom and playing someone in Japan or whatever. And they haven't had that fun of the social experience of playing the game. So I think for them to get a taste of, oh, this is what game playing was like. That's, this is what retro games are all about. Classic, nostalgic, arcade uh, titles. Uh, so it's really fun to see the kids, you know, find this, you know, this thing that was all the rage. I mean, think of the 90s. I mean, that's how how you know folks got together they went out to the arcades they went to in the bars and got around the the machines and they didn't sit in the house and do it so it's really exciting to know that there's something powerful about the the actual you know big cabinets and the fun of the lights and the sound and and something you can touch and feel and grab this you know big joystick as opposed to you know downloadable games and phone app games etc I definitely agree. Uh, Tim do you have any social media links that you want to share with anybody to uh, follow you and yeah, I'm at Tim underscore Kitzrow, and that's my Twitter handle. And I've got a, a website that has all the videos, all the press, uh, the videos I've done for, uh, for the Golden State Warriors, the Rockets, et cetera, and ESPN. And that's at uh, TimKitzrow.com, TimKitzrow.com. Or you can go to MrBoomShakalaka.com, easy to remember. So MrBoomShakalaka.com. Sounds good. Tim, thank you for taking the time to do the interview with me. And also on a personal note, for being a reason why I lost a lot of quarters growing up. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I get, I, I always get that from people and I go, well, those were, those were some quarters well spent. And people tell me about rifling through their dad's pants pockets and, you know, <laughs> under the couch and the change in the car. And like, they see a quarter and your, your connection with a quarter back then was more NBA jam. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Betty. Well, thank you for calling. I appreciate it. Definitely, man. Take care. All right, Ed. So long. I want to quickly thank my guest, Mr. Tim Kitzrow, for taking the time and talking to us about NBA Jam as well as his new game, Mutant Football League, which is available now wherever video games are sold. So make sure you pick that up. It's a great game. Uh, I've seen the trailer. It's really fun. So definitely check that out. And uh, once again, if you have any questions, any thoughts on the show, anybody you feel like should be on the show, I'm open to suggestions. As always, hit me up on Twitter at Ed Easton Jr. or Instagram as well. Same name at Ed Easton Jr. Or shoot me an email. That is Ed Easton at K-I-R-S Network.com. Once again, that's Ed Easton at KIRSnetwork.com, sportssocialpod.com for more on everything going on with the show. And uh, that's it. Until next week.